Katya, we know that the world is constantly evolving. What does that mean for the universities? Hmm, interesting question. I guess that the universities will also have to do work to make sure that they stay consistent with the times and stay modern and up to date. That sounds pretty sensible, but let's find out if that's the case. The science Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Science Basement Podcast, a podcast for people who love all things science. I'm your host, Eleana. And I'm your co-host, Katja. And today we are talking about university branding. We are joined by Arimati Eriansola, a doctoral student of social psychology in the Faculty of Social Sciences at the University of Helsinki. So Katja, did you ever wonder why universities here in Finland rather recently updated their logo and what people thought about it? Actually, yeah, I noticed quite a few unis have been rebranding. It's been interesting to follow and I'll be even more interested to hear about the background details of it all. So let's find out all about it today. Welcome, Arimatti. Thanks a lot. Maybe we can start at least with the question that is buzzing in, in my mind, which is uh, what exactly is university branding? Because today we are, we are talking about that, which is the, based on the work you have been doing the past few years. So as a social scientist, for, for me, uh, branding to begin with is basically applying marketing methods to any social entity. So basically anything that exists uh, as a result of, of social interaction. And as you're probably aware, most branding techniques and methods, they originate from the private sector. And that's also where most of the branding research has traditionally been done. Uh, but universities, they tend to be quite complex and quite sort of special organizations, if you will. So university branding is basically just branding in a, in a university context. And are, are there specific techniques or processes that the universities have to follow to do the branding or, or do they have to follow the same tactics as the private sector? Well, first of all, uh, I think uh, one like practical difference between universities and most companies, for example, is that the university brand stays with the customer a really long time. If you consider, for example, a student, and if you compare that to even someone who buys a car, the car stays with you maybe a few years, but the university brand stays with you forever. So that's one uh, practical consideration. From like a theoretical perspective, there's been a lot of studies on, on university branding and uh, and the first sort of two, two research traditions, which I have been using, uh, uh, deal with, with identities of, of universities. One aspect is that uh, universities are really complex and, and their identities have said to be even fragmented, which you probably can relate to. If you consider, for example, um, the University of Helsinki, and you uh, consider what it looks like from the Faculty of Social Sciences, and then you consider University of Helsinki from, let's say, uh, natural sciences. Of course, the sort of whole idea of the universities is quite different. And the, and the sort of joint, what, what we share is, is quite small. And since basically, in essence, all branding is making something simpler so that you can sort of make the selection process at any marketplace easier, then of course the task is, is extremely difficult because you have extremely complex entity 
and you need to make it nice and simple so that someone can walk to the virtual marketplace and select the proper product for themselves. So the idea is that if you're coming from social sciences or mm. natural sciences, it doesn't matter. Like the logo of the university essentially will represent both departments. Yeah, the logo is like the, of course, the visual part of the brand. But if you think about what the brand is, for me, for example, it is, it's like everything you link to the organization. If I were to ask to you, what is University of Helsinki? You would tell me that it's this, this, and this, and that. So that would be like the brand of the university. So now if I were to ask you, what is the university? Then I would ask someone from the Faculty of Social Sciences, how do, what is, and then we would compare. It might look similar to some extent, but I would expect that the overlapping part is actually quite small. And that's quite interesting, given that we're all from different parts of different fields in a way. So, Yeah, that's actually interesting, because uh, one of the things that, that we have been researching is what comes into people's mind when they see a certain university brand. And I would expect, for example, that all of us, we would, for example, link to University Helsinki's things like knowledge, science, blah, blah, truth, but what they mean would be different. For Very example, true. Truth would be very different for a natural scientist than a qualitative social scientist like myself. But okay, so, if we go back to the back to the university organization, how does it differ from the private sector organization? Another another way of looking at it is is also true organizational identity, and this was already found in the 80s by two American professors. They found that the research university is actually an example of what we call a hybrid identity organization. So there's two different kinds of identities, which normally you wouldn't expect to go hand in hand. And in the university, they called them uh, business and church. I think the business works quite nicely still, but I usually call the church as sort of beacon of truth or something like that. But the idea is that there's a normative identity focusing on, on some kind of order. And then there's the utilitarian identity, which follows this market logic. And these are in sort of constant conflict. And this is also one thing that sort of makes it really difficult in universities, because most of us who sort of make the university, we come from the normative tradition. And this uh, branding idea seems to come from the marketing, marketing communications and so on. So there's this conflict between these two sides. Yes. And that actually, I think that leads quite nicely to the next question is that why does the university need to be branded? Has something changed? Um, that Because I think recently there's been much more kind of this, these marketing campaigns of universities in general. So yeah, I was wondering about that. Well, as I mentioned, uh, the, the origins of the term of obviously come, the branding term comes from the private sector. And, uh, and originally, of course, they were used, for example, for farm products in markets to differentiate the products from each other. And of course, the, the sort of product of university is quite different. And even the term, as we use it today, refers to basically anything we link to a certain product corporation and, and so on. So basically, any social identity entity always sort of has a has a brand even universities they have always had a brand whether they liked it or not or they asked for it or didn't of course they they've always had some kind of idea in the minds of people of what the organization and, and what the product they produce 
is. So basically, more than asking that, for example, that should they be branded, I would maybe ask that should they be actively branded. And this is actually one of the... And by that, you mean like constantly changing and updating their goals and their character, in a sense? Yeah, well, not necessarily updating it constantly. I mean, uh, if we have an organization which, which usually usually has really long traditions. And of course, the institution of university has a really, really long traditions. Uh, doesn't really work well if you sort of change it all the time. But by active, active branding, I mean sort of actively engaging in all kinds of marketing activities so that you sort of build the awareness and you try to keep it in the minds of people. Yeah, that reminds me of some really cool ads I've seen on the metros or the trams on these screens where I can't remember which university now, but it's very cool. They're holding some things and animations around. So I guess that's the active side of it, that we see the adverts and we remember them. Yeah, but, but since you asked, it has something changed? Definitely, especially in the, in the past decades, I think it was in the US, it was already earlier, but in, in Europe and especially Finland, in the past decades, universities have sort of transferred into this, this active phase. And, and the reason is that the sort of demands of society have changed a lot. And today, society expects degrees from universities. They expect knowledge, which has some kind of value. They expect us to contribute to the economy and, and so on. So the way I see it is that, uh, and of course, most researchers see it, that there's this sort of trend in which universities are becoming more and more like any other organization. And they need to more and more sort of adhere to this market logic. And due to this, all sorts of management techniques that originate from the private sector are coming to universities and branding is one of them. So if I understand right, it's like the demands of the society that drives this whole process. And mm. uh, it's maybe a way for the university to evolve and adapt to the needs of the society, as it is a mm. center for cultivating the young people with skills that they will need for the society they are living in right now. Yeah, uh, and, and since it's a, it's a more or less international trend, of course, this um, international competition aspect, that universities are more and more competing with their sort of national counterparts, and also international other universities, for example, for students and, uh, and the best researchers and, and so on. So, of course, if we think about that, what is a good university brand? If we take Stanford or something like that, of course, many researchers would like to work in an environment like that. And to sort of build that kind of image and maintain it, it of course takes work. And we will, I guess, maybe come back to that later as well. But what comes to my mind now from what you said is if you are a big university that you have already built an image through centuries, in many cases, for many universities that are very famous, they have built this image for many centuries and they have their logo, which you see and you immediately identify that it's that university. But then for smaller universities, this is not the case. So I would imagine that um, maybe the need of branding in terms of uh, uh, defining not only the goals, but also the image of the university, it's more driven for like young or let's say less popular universities. Mm. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably right. But at the same time, uh, I do think that the sort of old and really, really prestigious universities, they sort of just, they have the needs but they are quite different. And, and for them, it's more about this maintaining the reputation. And I think that 
I would expect that they will probably react quite differently to many things. They probably don't brand as actively as, as the smaller smaller ones, but but I, I but they also have much more to lose. That's true. So within all that, like the university branding process, where does your work comes in? So what exactly did you study? So we have been studying two university mergers in Finland. The first one was um, Aalto University. And the second one, one is, uh, is Tampere University. And we have been studying the reception of the logo of the universities, the new logo when the, when the merger happened. So in Aalto, what we did, we conducted a survey with the business school students just before the Aalto merger took place. And uh, we showed the, showed the new logo of the Aalto University in 2009 for the students. And then we asked that what are the first five first associations that come into your mind? And then we did the same thing in 2011 and 2016. And, and based on this analysis, we sort of concluded that the resistance was really huge in the, in the beginning, but during the years, then the sort of symbol became the synonym of the organization and it became a source of these positive brand associations. And then in, in Tampere, we continued on the same track. I have been working with, uh, with the project that has been studying the founding of Tampere University for the past few years. And there we conducted three surveys, which in total contained something like 60 different kind of questions to all sorts of organizational psychology phenomena. But along that um, survey, we also asked about the logo and uh, we just asked this one open-ended question that what kind of associations come into your mind about the, the new logo of the of Tampere University. And yeah, that we did three times for the employees. Based on that, we're going to publish two articles. The first one of those two was just submitted and the next one is almost ready. So in the second article, we found that usually the logo is considered as just like an image. Most of the logo research you found, they deal with just like showing the image to people and how does it look and do you like this round shape and, and so on. So, but basically what we found was that in addition to being just like a picture, it's, it's actually a physical artifact in the organization and uh, it, has, it has some kind of place which affects how people see it. And then it's used like day-to-day -day activities of the researchers and then there's also these kind of meanings which are sort of the way i see it, like encoded in the logo and these also affect how the logo is interpreted and then then also sort of all the actions the organization does during the change process also affects how how people view the logo this sounds very interesting and i'm, I'm curious a little bit because as a i'm, I'm a kind of a traditional a university hmm. student and now employee where I associate a lot more with these old style logos and then if somebody suddenly changes the logo I might uh, resist a little bit and I remember when I was at the University of Oulu doing my PhD there was an update in the logo at that time and I remember there was this mixed emotions and in, in my mind I had it as like the older students or old employees the people who were already there might resist to the change and not favor it but then the newer employees might not have any association to the old logo so immediately mm. connect with the new one and I was wondering if you saw any such trends in, in the studies you did. Well, not specifically to the logo that uh, the uh, difference between the new and the, and the old ones. Well, in the Alto case, 
of course, we, when we did this, all the three surveys, they were always first year students. So the, in the first survey, they were students of the old Helsinki School of Economics and the later ones, they were students of the Alto Business School. So there I do, I do think that there was this cohort effect that the ones who opposed it, they've had actually applied to the old business school and, and the new ones had already in 2011, most of them had actually applied to Aalto and in 2016, of course, everybody. In the, in the Tampere case, we didn't actually study the new employees separately, but we have noticed in other results that, um, that the new employees, they actually, they are much more positive about the change than the old employees. So I would expect that that probably holds true to employees also. Well, that's super interesting. And it's funny, Eliana, that there was a logo change when you were studying, because when I was doing my bachelor, there was also a logo change at the University of Leicester where I was. And I had to quickly Google when it was because I don't, I very much resonate now with the new logo. And I remember a lot of people, like I think I was in my second year or so, and everyone was very positive, like, oh, it looks so modern and fresh, mm. because we had this very old school type with Latin writing. So it's interesting, I think, or it would have been nice to know also how the staff reacted who had been there for a long time, because I guess the longer you've resonated with or kind of built your career around something, then the more used you are. Did you find that people were um, had very strong opinions about the logo or were people more a bit like, oh, I don't really mind, it's just a picture? Or was there something unexpected there? Yeah, you would, you would kind of expect that people don't care about that it's just the logo and this is actually something that that has been bugging me a bit when every now and then when I see someone saying that it's just a brand or just the logo but yeah they were already in the other day that they were they were really strongly opposing the logo and and, and I think in, in Tampere one of the most interesting parts and this this is sort of especially one of the themes we deal with in the second article from the Tampere data is that they sort of actually when we showed them the logo and asked them that what comes into your mind, well, of course, many, many of also sort of talked about the logo and is it nice and is it ugly and what, how does it look like? It looks like a man or a robot or so on. But many people also started to talk about the organization behind the logo and they started reflecting the change process and, uh, and so on. So what we found in the, in the second article was that in that kind of situation, the logo can actually become the symbol of all sorts of different like identity-based aspects of the organization. They can become like a symbol of the merger partner. They can become the symbol of the change process itself, or they can sort of become the symbol of management. And also when I, when I mentioned that universities are traditionally these hybrid organizations where there's the business and there's the church. It's also interesting that, of course, because Logo is like a brand management tool, it can also become a symbol of the business in our organization and it's resisted because of that. I find it very interesting. You often mention like the business and the church, but I come from physics and I what I have been doing or like my studies were more theoretical and like my work is somewhere between uh, theory and application uh, using observations. Um, and so I am not associating at all with the business. I don't mm. uh, think of, of my work as a, a business opportunity or option, but then I also don't associate much with church either. So um, it's always very interesting. Like I hear you saying it and I always think, wh where do I stand in between this when we think mm. of the brand and, and the logo where I'm neither 
drawn towards the industry or the business aspect or this uh, more, let's say, old school church. The university was part of the church like centuries ago. Yeah, that's why I, I personally I don't sort of I don't really like the term church because I don't really think that anybody anybody in the university today thinks that we are like priests, <laughs> which actually is, is pretty close to how you sort of become a part of the academy. It's actually quite close to how you become a priest and so on. So you are apprentice and then blah, blah, then you learn and then you sort of through the sort of doctoral degree, you become part of this clergy. It's actually surprisingly close, but uh, and I think this is most likely what you also consider that you're doing, you're sort of serving the truth or some kind of greater good. And that's what I think is the church. And then there's this uh, annoying aspect that we also have to mind the money. And that's the, that's the business. So we sort of, we have to give degrees which, which students want to complete. And uh, we have to apply for funding and uh, we have to, explain why this is important and, and that's the sort of business it's not business as, as such but follows this market logic well i think maybe at least i don't know how it is in other departments in science i've seen it a lot you have an innovative idea that has an immediate impact to the society and so what you do uh, should be marketized in a sense so when i hear of business i also think of that aspect of of the university nowadays encouraging mm. to take your ideas and put it into the industry market. Um, so maybe it's this, you see, we use all these terms in, for different things. And then in my head, they, they, they get a little bit confused. So going back maybe of discussing the logo, and you mentioned in that example that uh, I think it was in Tampere that people started thinking a little bit about also the university and what's its purpose and its role. And mm. then what came to my mind is, do universities first think of what's their goals and their plan, and then they focus on designing the logo? Or is it possible that then the logo might affect their path in terms of marketizing and branding? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, in Aldo, as, uh, as many probably remember, they had, of course, the sort of idea what the university will be. Research has actually shown that, that the story of what Ar Aalto will become actually changed a bit during the, during the first years, but, but still I think it's, it's more or less recognizable, the sort of original innovation university idea. And, and there they actually they had a competition about the name and they had a competition about the, about the logo. And, uh, and the logo was designed by an art student from Aalto. Of course, I, I, can't, really, I can't really tell What's the sort of rational? Why did they? What they? Why did they exactly decide to do that? But anyway, I think it was a. In retrospect, it's easy to say that it was probably a good idea, and of course, the logo is is many way in a, kind of iconic these these days. Then in, in Tampere, the actually, some respondents in our survey they actually thought that uh, Tampere should have should have also had some kind of competition, but there they sort of uh, an external. Uh, design agency designed the, the logo based on a brief that they got from the university. There, I would expect that they sort of first discussed what they want to convey with the logo, and then they discussed it in the organization, and uh, and then the designer designed it based on that. Based on the results of our study, I can say that 
that a lot of people would have wanted to participate in that in some sense, which felt that they, they couldn't. But I guess it's still quite quite a traditional way. Actually, the designer of the, of the Alto University logo, I talked to him when we were writing the first article, article a few times, and I think he actually had a really great idea about, about the logo that he wanted to design a, like a neutral logo where the new university, which didn't have an identity yet, could sort of pour its essence. Uh, he was actually quite surprised to hear that uh, what people thought of the many people thought of the logo in the beginning when they really heavily resisted it because he thought it was just like a neutral vessel of no content but then many people thought that it was like a childish and not university like and, and so on but yeah uh, generally the idea was that because university is like in a constant change it's it, it sort of never rests and, and of course we all know this from our day-to-day -day lives that there's different kind of research projects coming and going. Nobody knows what's the, what are the sort of spearheads in a university in 10 years. So, of course, I, I do feel that it's kind of a risky to predetermine that this, this is who we are and then really heavily invest on that brand-wise. So, personally, I think that as too many brand researchers in anywhere, actually, these days think that any branding should start from within, that you sort of first find out who we are. And that's really difficult in a, in a change situation where, where you're trying to create something new. And that's super interesting. And I think I really love that, like now that I know more context about the Alta logo, I feel like I'm looking at it in a completely different way because it's just like the A and the exclamation mark. And of course, because now there's so many fields and disciplines kind of under that logo, but I, it's very visual, that metaphor of pouring their identity. And I guess that also allows for it to be continually shaped as well as the direction of the university is continually changing. You also mentioned about the kind of people wanted to be more engaged and stuff in the logo design process. Mm. Um, and I was wondering a bit more about the research methods that are usually used in these kinds of things and also in your research in general, how do you study these? Yeah, well, uh, in both these cases, we, we conducted a, a survey. In the first one, first one, we use this uh, free association approach, which comes from the research on theory of social representations. So we basically showed, it was just like an, an electronic survey. We showed the logo to participants, which was actually quite interesting because 2009, when the first Alto survey was conducted, some of the re, uh, respondents actually saw the logo for the first time. So it was like a true before setting. So, and then we just asked that, what are the first five associations is coming to your mind? And is this positive, negative, and so on. Then in Tampere, we also, we also conducted a survey much shorter time span and, and uh, there was an actual longitudinal setup so we so we analyzed answers from the same people three times and it was part of a larger survey which which had several different kind of metrics on organizational aspects of, of mergers maybe an interesting point about our data collection was that in social sciences sciences today many struggle with the response rates it's really difficult to get to like uh, representative samples from people but in the, in the merger studies, this is actually the fourth merger study that my supervisor is conducting and, uh, and the sort of third I'm, I'm involved in. So we've actually had response rates of around 50%, which is uh, really high. And it, of course, tells that people see the matter 
as really important and they and they actually see that the research is also like an actual route to make a difference somewhere and then maybe maybe if we compare that to traditional brand research and traditional research on logos one difference that we've we've of course had is that these are like real settings with real people who who are actually engaged with the brand and who are actually engaged with the logo so in many cases when researchers study logos, they, they show, show a random logo to random people and, and ask, how do you feel about this? And of course, the response is not quite as strong when you show someone a new logo of an organization where they have worked for a long time. So that's a really interesting aspect. I think, uh, I think part of the sort of interest, especially in the Alta Logo case, but also in Tampere case, that we have had these like real, what we call real social groups, people who are actually negotiating the meaning in their lunch tables when they meet and so on. And then they sort of get to answer to the survey based on the actual interactions they have in their in their daily lives. This is actually very, very interesting because I always think when I see all these emails coming of surveys that people might not tend to answer because we receive so many surveys and they always say it takes only 10 minutes of your time, but sometimes it might take longer. So I was always wondering, how do you get people answer the surveys? So hearing now that because they are targeted and it's really to the interest of, of the group that you send the surveys to, it's then good, uh, partic- you get good participation from it. Yeah. But you mentioned one word, and uh, I don't think we touched it earlier, and it might be relevant at least to say it now, because you mentioned about the merger, and mm. it's good to put it in a context. So yeah, I was wondering whether you can share like a, a few words about like uh, who merged and what, what does this term hides behind? So what is a merger, and what, and what are the mergers in this case? Yeah, yeah so... Merger for, for any sort of management scholar is, of course, any sort of when any two organizations merge into one. In, in business studies and management studies, they of, often refer to mergers and acquisitions. So basically, they are either just organizations which are combined or, they, or some organization or, or company usually could buy another and, and make it a part of themselves. So, but for a social scientist like me, they are just groups of people who are combining to make a, make a new whole. Uh, actually, I think one of one really interesting interesting aspect is that, that the sort of same phenomena in psychology has been studied with with sort of families who get remarried, so that you have this new family. For a social psychologist, it, it, it's exactly the same thing than combining two any other groups. But basically, that's that's it. That's a that's a merger. Two groups combine. And in these cases, they were of course Aalto University, where the old Dyke, which was so many years ago that I don't even remember anymore that what was Dyke. It was Dyke in Korkakoulu, yeah. And then there was the Tekoko and the Helsinki School of Economics, which merged in 2010, right after the new university act, which which came to Finland. Aalto was the sort of flagship of that. That's quite like three fields coming together when you consider there was like the business and then Mm. the technical and then the arts. So that Mm. must have been, and I guess all universities had big identities already and this thing. So coming together must have been interesting (laughs) to follow as well. Yeah, yeah, my supervisor worked at TKK 
when the when the merger happened. So that's where the sort of data comes data comes from. And yeah, of course, it was a big deal. And uh, and uh, yeah, and I think it was also a really interesting merger because. Well, I'm kind of biased because I work at all the university executive education these days. So I always try to keep that in mind. But at least for me, it looks like a success in a way. But I think one of the key things is that the sort of original idea was actually quite good that, that you combine design, business and, and technology and, uh, and it works. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of pain there, probably, with, especially with the, with the smaller universities. Helsinki School of Economics and uh, and uh, and the and Korkeakoulu. Yeah, and it, it also sort of marks like a big big step towards this marketized university in many ways because it was like the one of the first or actually the first university to came out of the the new University Act of 2010. And after that, and we have of course seen several university mergers in Finland, including Tampere, which is the other one that we studied, uh, which happened 2019. And there, the, the Technical University of Tampere and the Tampere, old Tampere University merged to form the new Tampere University. And they also became the major shareholder of, of the Applied of Sciences in Tampere. So two universities merged, and then the Applied Sciences can also be considered a merger partner in, in that sense. Uh, and it, it's still, of course, ongoing. These processes, they take years. Well. If you consider our, our first Alto article about the Alto logo, sort of final data set was collected in 2016. So it has uh, like a positive and cohesive whole in, in many ways, but, but 2011, nothing. Which is actually quite interesting because if you go and ask for a consultant, many say that you should complete the merger in, in 100 days, which is of course quite funny in, in a university context. Right. It might not even be possible to like have like a smooth transition with everybody keeping happy if you do it that quickly. But you mentioned now like merging of, for example, you have Alto, which came out of three different uh, schools, and then you have Tampere, which was also the same case. But I suspect that universities have been changing the logos, whether they are merging together or not. So have you seen whether there is an involvement of these old style logos that I am familiar with, which are these more regal looking, mm. uh, very detailed logos to what we have nowadays, which in many cases, like for Alto, for example, and for Tampere, from what I saw, uh, Helsinki University is the same. It's, it's like very, very similar. Simple. Yeah, that, that's actually been been studied in the last decade. Um, there's this one professor Drory from Israel who has been studying university logos, and they I can't remember how many hundreds of, of logos they collected globally, and they classified those, and they sort of classified them into four different categories. So the first was the kilt-like classic, which you referred to, which which is like this uh, traditional university seal which we still see in many, for example, diplomas that you get from, from universities in, in Finland and so on. And then there was this like professional type of logo. And then they had this uh, localized, which had some kind of aspects which relates to different kind of local aspects. And then the final one was this uh, organizational logo, which they called a branded marketized imagery, which I think the Alto logo is, is an example and Tampere also. 
And they actually concluded that universities are sort of moving towards these branded logos away from the traditional seals. This sort of reflects the marketization trend, which is also, also going on. And the, and the sort of trend where universities are like more and more becoming like organizations like any other. But I haven't seen a, seen a study yet, which would show that the amount of these branded logos is actually increasing. But at least in Finland from these uh, maybe five mergers or, or so that we've had, we can say that, of course, of more, all of this sort of follow this trend towards this marketized way of presenting yourself. But of course, once again, if you are Stanford or, or Harvard, the case might look different. Yeah, it's very true, I guess, if you have decades or centuries for some universities of identity behind you, then you won't immediately, you won't lose it straight away. Mm. Something that came to mind um, that I've noticed actually initially in the supermarkets is that products seem to be getting, or the logos for products seem to be getting more and more simple and kind of stylized to the point where even with some friends we've been talking that we can't really differentiate between them anymore and it almost or something that comes to mind then for the university logos as they become more stylized as well is that could the simplification or stylization lead to losing the identity of the organization especially since people resonate so strongly with the logo yeah well if you ask any like designer the sort of main goals of any logo is to create distinction between competition and, and, and to create like this positive image of the product and also be easily recognizable and to be easy to remember. So obviously, if you start mixing it up with other brands, then it's, it's not that great of a design to begin with. But of course, that's a challenge that, that, that many probably face, that the more simple, simpler it gets, the more difficult it is to create this distinction. But at the same time, um, a simpler object is, is, of course, sort of faster to process. I think you can probably relate to it most easily if you would consider, for example, just like a square round and, uh, and a triangle. And, and if you were if you were given this task that you need to sort of recognize them, you would probably recognize them really quickly and be able to differentiate. So this is probably the reason why they are becoming simpler and simpler because there's more and more products at any like marketplace for example if you're at the store you need to select your milk the faster you process the correct answer the better for the brand but that's of course the risk that you start mixing them up yes and then i guess it'll be tricky to balance with for example with the alta logo when it was very successful because it was such a neutral logo but then I guess when you have many neutral logos, then to keep the characters also, it's a fine line, I suppose. Mm, true. But so what are some main messages or a few key points that you feel that the audience should take away from today's podcast? Maybe the biggest one is that, that basically as a, as a part of the university community and as, as an employee, the, the brand is always a part of you when you, for example, present your work at conferences and so on. But in, in universities, for some reason, um, branding is often viewed as something sort of external, that, that it's not us who are doing it, it's, it's some other people somewhere. But the sort of modern view of branding is, is actually that it, it's a process that starts from within so that you sort of first find out who we are, and then you find a way to present that 
to relevant stakeholders like the society and uh, funders and uh, potential students and, and so on to make their selections easier. I think the branding sort of happens anyway. And I think we all can sort of take at least to some extent an active role in it because we can sort of escape the fact that the university is important to us. Thank you, Arimati, for this very interesting conversation. At least for me, it answered a lot of the questions I had because I wasn't sure about this merging of like the different smaller universities into one. And that led to the need of designing a new logo and rebranding the, the concept of the university. But also I had some uh, thoughts about why logos are always going towards this more simple design direction and how it relates to the brand and the concept of the department. But unfortunately, this brings us to the end of this episode. And thank you very much. Thanks a lot. It's been really nice. But before we go, Katya, what is the fun fact of today? Yes. So our fun facts, given my neuroscience background, I wanted to have something brain related. And I found out that there are 850,000 kilometers total length of neurons or, you know, axons and dendrites in your brain. And the number is huge. So I was trying to figure out, okay, how could we compare this? So the distance around the earth is a bit over 40,000 kilometers. So basically the total length of neurons is enough to get you around the earth over 21 times. It was 21.21. Or alternatively, once to the moon and back with a bit left to spare. Wow, that sounds so cool. Because I have seen these images like uh, showing the human neural system. And it always looked massive to me. But only hearing, because you said it's around 8,000, just the neural uh, network of the brain. 850,000, yeah. 50,000, wow. So maybe that explains why all this system is, is so complex. It has all these uh, connections and all these lengths that it has to, to cover with, like the messages have, have to cover. That, that's cool. The science if you like this episode, give it a thumbs up Rate us on the podcasting app of your choice and don't forget to share it with your friends. This podcast was produced by The Science Basement, a science communication organization based in Helsinki, Finland. Interested in getting involved or being interviewed? Get in touch at podcast at thesciencebasement.org.